Chapter 14 of The Story of My Life and Work. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Story of My Life and Work by Booker T. Washington. The Shaw Monument Speech, The Visit of Secretary James Wilson, and The Letter to the Louisiana Convention. Part two. In November 1897, the Tuskegee Institute received its first recognition from a member of the President's Cabinet in the way of a visit from Honorable James A. Wilson, Secretary of Agriculture. A year previous to the visit of Secretary Wilson, I began making efforts, in connection with friends of the institution, to raise money enough to erect a building to be devoted wholly to the teaching of agriculture, horticulture, dairying, fruit gardening, market gardening, etc. About $10,000 was secured for the erection of this building. Secretary Wilson, whom I had met in the West some months before, promised me that he would try to be present at the formal opening of this building, and he kept his promise. Secretary Wilson was accompanied from Washington by Dr. J. L. M. Curry, the agent of the John F. Slater Fund, and was met at Tuskegee by Governor Joseph F. Johnston and a large crowd of colored and white citizens. In addition to the persons named, there were present ex-Governor Northern of Georgia and the State Superintendent of Education of Georgia, Major Glenn. The occasion was widely published throughout the country and did much to place the work of the school prominently before the people. The opening of this building marked the beginning of a new era in the history of the Tuskegee Institute, as since that time we have emphasized the teaching of agriculture to our students. During the earlier years of the school, we found it difficult to get students to take much interest in our farm work. They wanted to go into the mechanical trades instead. After the opening of this agricultural building and the securing of Mr. George W. Carver, a thoroughly educated man in all matters pertaining to agriculture, the agricultural department has been put upon such a high plane that the students no longer look upon agriculture as a drudgery, and many of our best students are anxious to enter the agricultural department. We have demands from all parts of the South for men who have finished our courses in agriculture, dairying, etc. In fact, the demands are far greater than we can supply. I often wonder why it is, there being such excellent openings in these directions, that so few of our young men are willing to prepare themselves for these valuable and responsible positions. I shall not occupy much more of the reader's time in detailing accounts of my various speech-making tours. Were I to do so, a good part of this volume would be occupied in a description of them. Nearly one half of my time is spent away from Tuskegee, addressing audiences of various kinds in different parts of the country, sometimes in the South, at other times in the Middle or Eastern states, and going as far west in many cases as Denver and Omaha. There is never a day that I do not receive a number of invitations urging me to go to some section of the country to make an address. When I am away from Tuskegee, 
the portion of the time that is not spent in making addresses in behalf of tuskegee is spent in seeing individuals the latter work i consider very important and far-reaching during the winter of eighteen ninety eight a state constitutional convention assembled in new orleans louisiana for the purpose of passing a law which would result in disfranchising a large proportion of the negro voters some of the members of the convention were very anxious to pass a law that would result in the disfranchising of the negro voters without disfranchising any portion of the white voters the passing of any such law seemed to me so manifestly unjust that i addressed an open letter to the convention which read as follows to the louisiana state constitutional convention in addressing you this letter i know that i am running the risk of appearing to meddle with something that does not concern me but since i know that nothing but love for our beautiful southland which i hold as near my heart as any of you can and a sincere love for every black man and white man within her borders is the only thing actuating me to write i am willing to be misjudged if need be if i can accomplish a little good but i do not believe that you gentlemen of the convention will misinterpret my motives what i say will i believe be considered in the same earnest spirit in which i write i am no politician on the other hand i have always advised my race to give attention to acquiring property intelligence and character as the necessary basis of good citizenship rather than to mere political agitation but the question upon which i write is out of the region of ordinary politics it affects the civilization of two races not for today alone but for a very long time to come it is up in the region of duty of man to man of christian to christian since the war no state has had such an opportunity to settle for all time the race question so far as it concerns politics as is now given in louisiana will your convention set an example to the world in this respect will louisiana take such high and just ground in respect to the negro that no one can doubt that the south is as good a friend to the negro as he possesses elsewhere in all this gentlemen of the convention i am not pleading for the negro alone but for the morals the higher life of the white man as well for the more i study this question the more i am convinced that it is not so much a question as to what the white man will do with the negro as to what the negro will do with the white man's civilization the negro agrees with you that it is necessary to the salvation of the south that restriction be put upon the ballot i know that you have two serious problems before you ignorant and corrupt government on the one hand and on the other a way to restrict the ballot so that control will be in the hands of the intelligent without regard to race with the sincerest sympathy with you in your efforts to find a way out of the difficulty i want to suggest that no state in the south can make a law that will provide an opportunity or temptation for an ignorant white man to vote and withhold the same opportunity from an ignorant colored man without injuring both men no state can make a law 
that can thus be executed without dwarfing for all time the morals of the white man in the south any law controlling the ballot that is not absolutely just and fair to both races will work more permanent injury to the whites than to the blacks the negro does not object to an education or property test but let the law be so clear that no one clothed with state authority will be tempted to perjure and degrade himself by putting one interpretation upon it for the white man and another for the black man study the history of the south and you will find that where there has been the most dishonesty in the matter of voting there you will find today the lowest moral condition of both races first there was the temptation to act wrongly with the negro's ballot from this it was an easy step to dishonesty with the white man's ballot to the carrying of concealed weapons to the murder of a negro and then to the murder of a white man and then to lynching i entreat you not to pass such a law as will prove an eternal millstone about the neck of your children no man can have respect for government and officers of the law when he knows deep down in his heart that the exercise of the franchise is tainted with fraud the road that the south has been compelled to travel during the last thirty years has been strewn with thorns and thistles it has been as one groping through the long darkness into the light the time is not very far distant when the world will begin to appreciate the real character of the burden that was imposed upon the south when four million five hundred thousand ex-slaves ignorant and impoverished were given the franchise no people had before been given such a problem to solve history had blazed no path through the wilderness that could be followed for thirty years we have wandered in the wilderness we are beginning to get out but there is but one road out and all makeshifts expedients profit and loss calculations but lead into the swamps quicksands quagmires and jungles there is a highway that will lead both races out into the pure beautiful sunshine where there will be nothing to hide and nothing to explain where both races can grow strong and true and useful in every fiber of their being i believe that your convention will find this highway that it will enact a fundamental law which will be absolutely just and fair to white and black alike i beg of you further that in the degree that you close the ballot-box against the ignorant you open the schoolhouse more than one-half of the people of your state are negroes no state can long prosper when a large percentage of its citizenship is in ignorance and poverty and has no interest in government i beg of you that you do not treat us as an alien people we are not aliens you know us you know that we have cleared your forests tilled your fields nursed your children and protected your families there is an attachment between us that few understand while i do not presume to advise you yet it is in my heart to say that if your convention would do something that would prevent for all time strained relations between the two races 
and would permanently settle the matter of political relations in one state in the south at least let the very best educational opportunities be provided for both races and add to this the enactment of an election law that shall be incapable of unjust discrimination at the same time providing that in proportion as the ignorant secure education property and character they will be given the right of citizenship any other course will take from one half of your citizens interest in the state and hope and ambition to become intelligent producers and taxpayers to become useful and virtuous citizens any other course will tie the white citizens of louisiana to a body of death the negroes are not unmindful of the fact that the white people of your state pay the greater portion of the school taxes and that the poverty of the state prevents it from doing all that it desires for public education yet i believe you will agree with me that ignorance is more costly to the state than education that it will cost louisiana more not to educate the negroes than it will to educate them in connection with a generous provision for public schools i believe that nothing will so help my own people in your state as provision at some institution for the highest academic and normal training in connection with thorough training in agriculture mechanics and domestic economy the fact is that ninety per cent of our people depend upon the common occupations for their living and outside of the cities eighty-five per cent depend upon agriculture for support notwithstanding this our people have been educated since the war in everything else but the very things that most of them live by first-class training in agriculture horticulture dairying stock raising the mechanical arts and domestic economy will make us intelligent producers and not only help us to contribute our proportion as taxpayers but will result in retaining much money in the state that now goes out for that which can be produced in the state an institution that will give this training of the hand along with the highest mental culture will soon convince our people that their salvation is in the ownership of property industrial and business development rather than mere political agitation the highest test of civilization of any race is in its willingness to extend a helping hand to the less fortunate a race like an individual lifts itself up by lifting others up surely no people ever had a greater chance to exhibit the highest christian fortitude and magnanimity than is now presented to the people of louisiana it requires little wisdom or statesmanship to repress to crush out to retard the hopes and aspirations of a people but the highest and most profound statesmanship is shown in guiding and stimulating a people so that every fibre in the body mind and soul shall be made to contribute in the highest degree to the usefulness and nobility of the state it is along this line that i pray god the thoughts and activities of your convention be guided this letter was sent out through the associated press widely through the country the leading papers of new orleans as well as those in many other parts of the south endorsed my position editorially 
the law that was finally passed by the convention while not as bad as when first presented was not by any means the law that should have been enacted in june of the same year i delivered the annual address before the regents of the university of new york at albany End of chapter 14, part 2. Recording by Linda Johnson.